0: Be sure to follow our website on Twitter, at Hockey underscore Hertz, Cameron Walsh at Walshy66, and Ryan Wilson at Gunnar Stull. Also, if you'd like to support the Hockey Hertz podcast, you can do so by going to the podcast page and sign up for a monthly donation. It is much appreciated. Thank you. Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hertz podcast for May 12th of 2016. I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. And this week we will talk about round two of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. We have three series that have concluded, so three teams, halfway to the Stanley Cup, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay, with tonight, game seven between the San Jose Sharks and Nashville Predators. We're actually going to lead off with that series, uh, discussing some things about it, and we'll work our way through... um, the other series that just wrapped up, and maybe a little bit of a previewish thing for the conference finals. So, uh, game seven, always uh, exciting. I think the nice no, thing—I I think the nice thing about the Western Conference this year, or at least it makes it a little bit more intriguing. You have three teams that are left, none of which have won the Stanley Cup.
1: No, that's great. You can't say they're always exciting because of what happened with Dallas and St. Louis last night, but. You get there, and and this is exciting for these two franchises, though. I mean, San Jose has struggled to get to to this point a a few times, and and Nashville never have. And um, It's really funny. They're going to live and die by Pekka Rinne, basically. He either needs to play to the reputation that he has, or he's going to play to the level that his numbers prove that he is, and they'll win or lose on that, I reckon.
0: That and Colin Wilson, that guy is on fire.
1: He, I, I got a friend of mine who's a Nashville fan, and he said to me all year, "Wait for Colin Wilson to explode, and he's gonna be, he's gonna be a game changer for them." Um, I think I remember saying to him, "I think the trade for Johansson makes them Cup contenders." My only concern was Pecker, and so far he's been like a freaking buddy mountain range, up and down, up and down. So just don't know what to expect.
0: Yeah, he's uh his points per 60 in the playoffs are
1: 3.8. Geez, that's sort of kind of okay, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, 13
0: games is 13 games, but high leverage games and the production when you need it, it's 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 really tough to ignore how great he's playing. Yeah. Which makes it also important as he's a center. You have Johansson like you mentioned is Just a a great center for them to have one. The kind of center they've never really had. Mm. So now you got the hot guy. Mm. And then Johansson's clearly capable of producing offense at any given point. So it's uh, no wonder they're doing well and and keeping up with the Sharks, who I I thought were going to have the series done by Game 6.
1: Hey, they've had their chances, San Jose. And it's not that they've lost the games, like... Got to give Nashville credit. Nashville have won these games. It's not like they were handed to them. So it's a game seven of, of two teams that you know are fittingly three three. And um, it's for me personally, it's it's a bit of a shame that I've not seen as many of these games as, as I would have liked. Um, particularly the the, the the triple overtime. Um, they're always interesting games to watch because you just see the play turn into slow mo because the players have got nothing left. So. Um, it'll be interesting to see if this... Whoever comes out of this series, whether they've got anything left in the tank for the first couple of games of the
0: next series. I think the funny thing about this series, much like you, the times just haven't fallen in my favor, but having a newborn, it was actually the triple overtime game that I saw the most of. <laughs> which, which wrapped up, you know, in the middle of the 2, 2.30 in the morning because I was up anyway, so... It's just funny how that works sometimes. That the, uh, some of those days, I you know, I have my own hockey or, or whatever, and it was the triple OT game that I saw the most of, which was really good.
1: It was good hockey. I thought so. Oh, cool. You just didn't know. That's all.
0: Now, Colin Wilson is not the only Predator forward that is on fire right now. The real deal. James Neal. Uh Predators are three and one in the last four games. He has two goals and three assists and a point in every game.
1: It's amazing to me the uh assist production he's managing to come up with through this playoff run, to be honest. Not
0: surprising. He had that, he had that he a great score. pass back door for that one big goal the other game. Mm, yeah.
1: He's Look, it's one of those things, you know how Tyler Sagan ended up in, in Dallas and he's blossomed into the player everyone thought he would. Um, it feels as though this particular trade for James Neal has stung him into being a, a, a bit more of a productive player. Not that he wasn't productive before, he just he just seems to be different. He still does some retardedly stupid, careless things stuff that you just go what is going through your head when he does it but um he for me he feels like a more complete player than what he was when he
0: was playing at Pittsburgh I think I think there's just better depth I think the final two years of James Neal's stay in Pittsburgh were rough with the Penguins bottom six and there's so much attention on the top six that when goals weren't being scored, it just made everything seem so much worse. And don't get me wrong; he had his, um, you know, dirty plays that also brought attention to him. And yeah. I don't think those have gone away in Nashville. But he's uh, he's producing when his team really needs it right now.
1: I, the the thing that's that's really good for, for Nashville is that they can get there, and Mike Ribera is just being... you know hoodwinked out of the lineup, and because of Colin Wilson, they're able to still play with three quality centers. Like Mike Fisher should be your third-line center, but he can play second-line center okay. I know that a few people have been down on your Johansson for his lack of scoring, but putting him there allows everyone else to play where they should in the lineup, and it, it creates depth through the lineup, having him in that lineup.
0: So that's a lot about Nashville. I still am picking San Jose, and I want San Jose to win because I think there are some guys on that team that I want to see do well. I think Joe Thornton is one of the yep. better generational players of his his time period. that I, I don't think he's always put up in that light by everybody. I think there's certainly a segment of the hockey community that does view him that way. Mm-hmm. Patrick Marleau is really underrated. That guy's a goal-scoring machine. He has scored goals for a long time and still is very good at it. And the real American hero, Paul Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I love Paul. Um, he um, Pairing him with Brent Burns has just turned that into such a monster pairing.
1: Wow, you look at what he did for Chris Latang as well, like, uh, Paul Martin's one of those defenders that is so good at being complimentary and allowing top-end talent to, to reach the peak of their their, their skill sets. It, it's great to watch, just watching what, what Brent Burns does and, and seeing how Paul Martin compliments it is. It is very nice to watch.
0: And the compliments to him are controlled zone exits, controlled plays, keeping the flow of play going. It's not the security blanket Rob Scuderi style where it's just the the concept is okay Letang Burns you go and I'll just hang out back here and that's called a security blanket but hanging out back there is not effective because the player's not good so it's really not a security blanket it's actually just getting you more exposed and dragging down a better player whereas Paul Martin he's a legitimate pairing to a high-end guy because he does so many things well and he just elevates everybody that's around him. And that's been the case for a long time, especially in Pittsburgh.
1: I, I think that the, a good point you made there was that keeps the flow going. His ability to chip pucks past four checks to make sure the puck still rims around, or his ability to, to wedge a puck free so that uh, the center can skate free with, with speed. And that allows a guy like Burns or, or the tang to then break out, to make it a three on four or, a, or a two on three or something like that. Like it really gives the, the better skate skating defenseman that opportunity to go, because you can see the puck get loose and it's under control and it's to your teammate. You just go, you, you don't second guess it. And that consistency in Paul Martin's game, um, is what allows those other players to be so good. It also means that when Paul Martin makes an error, it can look like a massive gaffe because so many things are predicated on him making the right play 95% of the time. So when he does make an error, it can stick out uh, awfully bad, but if the puck's on your stick that often, it's going to
0: happen. And that's the thing. Guys that handle the puck so often and try to attempt to make these plays that are good and not just a bailout, You have to take a little bit more time with a little bit more risk. The the great players do it and make it look effortlessly most of the time so you don't think about it too often until you're like, oh boy, that didn't go right. Until the guy's wrong. (laughs) But to have Martin in that group, I don't know what it'll look like three years from now for the contract, but right now Burns, Martin, Flossick are a great top three for them.
1: It feels very um, Chicago-like, how Chicago rode their top four in that sense, that like the top three that, that San Jose have got there are a high, high-end talent, really.
0: And then I guess last, the only thing I have to add with San Jose is Joe Pavelski's another one of these goal maniacs. <laughs> he just scores. It's unreal. He's, he's under the radar a lot. For, He's also
1: for... a lot older than I thought.
0: Yes, he is, because they always talked about transitioning the Thornton captaincy to somebody younger. Well, technically true. Pavelski's in his 30s, correct? Yeah, but Joe yeah. Thornton's
1: like 400, so it's not that hard to find someone younger.
0: <clears throat> no, you're right. Um, but much I like we've talked, 41. much like we've talked about Washington's power play a lot. I think San Jose's power plays just as good and does just as many clever things.
1: It'll be interesting to see whether either team gets into penalty trouble early or whether they can stay away from that because whoever sort of wins that tussle, like if San Jose go 0 for 3 or, or 2 for 3, the game could swing on that sort of balance, if you know what I mean. So,
0: Well, that's the problem with getting yourself in a Game 7, because hockey, literally anybody can win on any given day. Mm-hmm. You, you, you have just the the goaltending variable that can really swing wildly. <laughs> but I'll say this, I think the Sharks need to get back to the shot volume that they had in Game mm-hmm. 1, where they outshot the team 79-55, to 55. Attempts, not shots, sorry. Yep, yep, yep. But last game, when the Predators won, it was 45-76. I mean, they got slaughtered.
1: It'll be interesting to see if they... It'll be interesting to see which team wins in regards to... Is it going to be one of those games where the team that gets the most shot volume towards the net wins? Or will it be one of those games where... The
0: team with the most shots towards goal loses. Well, that could happen, and, but if I'm the exactly, team, I want I want the shots at that net, especially that's, on Rene. That's your
1: point, though. It's like you get to a game seven; it's a coin flip. You just don't know. Well, particularly when you've got Peke Rene in there, who for me is literally a coin flip of what you're going to get from him. He's been so up and down all playoffs. They're almost they're almost winning in spite of him at the moment.
0: The last game seven, he was outrageously good.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's the thing. Like his ceiling is unbelievable. You just I, I suppose you make the argue, you can make the argument about Fleury as well. Is that his ceiling is awesome, but his floor is is really bad. You'd want him to just consistently be somewhere in the middle there, and that's probably all Nashville need out of Pekka Rene,
0: really. I mean, I look at Game Six, at five on five, and the Sharks got out attempted. 42 to 70. When's the last time the Sharks just got totally...
1: crashed? That's yeah. not like it for them. No.
0: But Nashville's clearly dictating flow. So they... Both teams... I'd be surprised, I guess, if it was a lopsided affair like that.
1: Yeah, I'd I have to admit it. I...
0: And oh, the only it's way it's I could it see it lopsided oh, is if one team got up kinda like the Pittsburgh Washington thing, three nothing, and the score effects the other team just was bombarding the net with shots after that three nothing deficit. Yeah. But I think if it's a close game, I think the play will be relatively even. But you know, your your guess is as good as mine with these uh one off games. But I'm gonna go San Jose.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll pick San Jose just because I want them to win as well. Like, um, Yeah, for all the reasons we stated before, all the players that have sort of had the asterisks against them in regards to their, you know, quote-unquote greatness of, of what they are for this era of hockey, um, it would be nice to see them get into the conference finals and you sort of have two teams in the Western Conference then that would be running to try and break the same... I don't know. Aura about them is to try and make sure that they don't fall short this time and get to the cup final.
0: Where would we like to go next? Let's just do the other West. Saint Louis, Dallas, and this one <coughs> I think can be summed up as Saint Louis is really good this year. They they are. Dallas was really good this year.
1: They missed they had a problem in two areas. Two people. Well, three, technically.
0: I think I know where you're going with the other one, but the, we'll start with the, the two people one that I'm talking about, and that's that. $11 million. <laughs> Not well spent.
1: Well, I, I'll give I'll give Jim Neal credit. He has come out and said I need to fix it. I'll go ahead and fix it, and I'll do something about it. So he, he hasn't even tried to hide the fact that he's screwed it up there. He's more than happy to have admitted that he got it wrong and he's, he's, he's going to go and try to do something about it.
0: I think it's one of those things, throwing money at the problem is not always the right answer. They actually had a guy in-house that they acquired via trade, and Jonas Enroth. Who, oh, that's right, they did too. And I think that, and keep a mental note of that name, That that will be brought up later for, <laughs> for for another team for a different reason I, I think of him as like a Thomas Grice situation underlying numbers have been really good for a long time and with a few different teams just hasn't had that look the extended look that I think a guy like that probably deserves based on the numbers and you find out on the cheap can he do it or not and they didn't go that way they ended up pouring more money into the position and you know, it just didn't work.
1: Hey, it was a luxury they had in their salary cap structure, though. So,
0: But we'll hurt think, them moving forward.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's a waste of money in a sense that the contract is too long for Niemi, considering they already had Litton on the hook for the length of time that they had him. So that's where it sort of falls down for me. But they had the cap, cap room there to, to do it and apply it. Um, it's just a shame that the third guy that we're sort of half-mentioning, didn't get to play in this series either. So the the ability for the Dallas Stars to make up for poor goaltending was severely hampered by the fact that, you know, Tyler Sagan missed the entire series.
0: That's the other, I think that was the other one you were referring to earlier. Yeah. I thought it was very impressive that Dallas got to a Game 7 of the second round against a super-hot, St. Louis team that knocked off Chicago without their best player, and that's incredible. I just I'm disappointed that he wasn't available because Dallas is fun, fun, fun. And I don't know. I from the stuff I read, it that that injury he got was not Achilles related. I'm sure we'll find out in the near future what it was.
1: So they reported it was Achilles. Are they talking about the original or the second one that had him out for the rest of the the rest of the season?
0: I thought I had read the second injury that when he came back against Minnesota and then he was done, was separate.
1: Oh, okay. I think you and I both just assumed he'd hurt his Achilles again.
0: I think a lot of people did, and then <laughs> that was like a week and a half, two weeks ago, and there's just so much stuff that's happened, and I'm not going to lie, I don't like, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting alerts on Sagan's updates.
1: No, no, no. So. Well, yeah, neither was I. You know, yeah. you know, one of the things that sort of annoys me with the with Sagan being out is, um, I was flipping through Twitter uh, this morning, obviously, and I looked at the score and went, holy crap, you know, the game's toast, and you were already getting people coming out and saying, "See, you can't win without defensive structure. You can't win with offensive defensemen." Um,
0: They came pretty damn close to winning if they didn't have crap goaltending.
1: Yeah, I know. So it's one of those things where it's like if they get decent goaltending, like just league average, as you like to put it, and they have the best player, I can't say... Look, it could have happened, like we just said with the the previous series we were talking about. They could have got wiped off the floor, but it would have been far less likely. It wasn't wasn't the system that they had that, that did them in. And it's hilarious when you look at the people on Twitter that were saying those things. It's like, that is just typical lazy journalistic coverage because you can't be bothered to look at it a little bit deeper. And it drives me nuts because these people have got such an influence in regards to the coverage of hockey at the moment. And it's not for people like you or me or probably most of the people that listen to this podcast. It's more the general fan and and those new fans that are getting brought into the game. That's where it it annoys me and that's where it lets me down.
0: Are you implying we have highbrow listeners? yes i am <laughs> who would have thought um <laughs> no i agree with that um again mistakes are glaring like when you see them when you're making plays and those are the ones people that don't want to put the work in remember and they latch onto, and then they create stories about it and say how they just need to be safer and make the safe play, don't do those things. Hey, we
1: saw what happened to Pittsburgh when they played safe.
0: Yeah, the Mike Johnston thing fell on its face this year. He abandoned his own push-the-play attitude of 2014-15 because he lost some defensemen, like that guy Paul Martin we discussed earlier. (laughs) And it didn't work at all. No. And then, you know, not to go off on Pittsburgh stuff yet, but Trevor Daly for Rob Scuderi. Trevor Daly, not great defensively. He will bleed shot attempts, but he creates a ton, too. So it's like that's what you live with. And that speed and ability to join the play and keep plays alive offensively, that over time is so much better than the guy that, gee, I really hope nothing bad happens. But if it does, this guy cannot make up for that ever because he's not going to generate any offense at all. Whereas Trevor Daly, say he makes a tremendous error and it leads to a goal. He does have the ability to get that goal back because he, he does have skating and puck skills.
1: I'll give Trevor Daily credit. He has made a few biggish gaffes through the whole playoffs. It doesn't stop him. He has that mental attitude of, okay, I screwed up, who cares? I will still go and attempt to make plays in the exact same time, at the exact same place. Just and it doesn't He doesn't change the way he plays at all. And and it can be frightening as a fan when the games are close and you can see what he's doing, and you go, Oh my god, you just made the error in the exact same spot doing the exact same thing. But credit where credit's due in that situation, he
0: actually just keeps going. Like But he almost scored the game winning goal in overtime. Wasn't yeah. his, wasn't it his shot that Beagle batted out of midair? Down yeah, by go the ahead. goal mouth? So yeah. like there there's a positive example of him pushing play up. Now you push up, play that up, and the puck bounces the other way, and you're caught. Well, you yeah, of course. <laughs> but um, me and you accept that risk. We kind of encourage that risk. Some don't, and I guess that's the bottom line with that. But it's funny. Daily talking about Dallas, he was there, and just funny. I
1: wonder I, – I, I do wonder with Dallas whether um... – Lindy Ruff will, will try to instill some changes or whether him and will go, we know we're on a winner here. We know this is going to work. We just have to... Like, I reckon if they kept that roster as is but changed the goaltending and got Sagan back, I think they'd end up in the exact same spot they would they were in this year, next year, and you would hope that guys like Nachushkin would step up a little further than they have. Um, that injury, that hip injury, is really shaking him up physically. So... It'll be interesting to see whether having a further six months away from the surgery will, will help him get to the point where he looked like he was going to trend to. Because they've got some really good pieces around there that um, if they can keep that team together, um, I can see them doing some really good things again next year.
0: Spets is great.
1: He is. He's fantastic.
0: You know, Ottawa, I saw him a lot more. It's not East Coast bias, it's just the time zone stuff. <laughs> um,
1: it's bedtime bias, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. He's still the guy... Like, he used to be one of the last guys that used an all-wooden stick, I believe.
1: I think you've told me that before, yeah.
0: But, aside from that, his reach is so incredible, because I, I do think he uses a longer stick than average for somebody of his height, and he's already tall. But his ability to be extended with his arms straight out like a pterodactyl and still dangle the puck and and toe-drag it and, and have the finesse while extended is one of... I've always just been marveled at his ability to do those things because I can't tell you how hard it is to have that kind of control with your arms extended. I mean, if the puck's in tight, there are a lot of guys that can do things like that. But to have that reach and that... Puck on a string. I, I always thought it was um, awesome, and I think if he was just a little bit better skater, it, it, he'd be a true superstar.
1: Hey, he slots in really well there as a yeah, number yeah, two. that absolutely, yeah, and, and and considering that he was the number one for that series, he certainly didn't underperform. They uh, were just missing their number one center, so. I mean, Jamie Ben was brilliant. I mean, I think he's leading the league at the moment in in, in points. So yep, yep, you're right. There's F- so many. Yeah, they, they are, and they, as you said, we haven't even discussed the team that beat them. I mean, they were great. I think Vladimir Tarasenko only scored one goal in game uh, in the series, and that was in game seven, I think, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, my fantasy team has noticed such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. <clears throat> No, but the the thing, why we're focusing on Dallas is because it's kind of uh, their obituary today. St. Louis is still playing. We'll have, we'll talk a lot about them, you know, as we get going Mm. with the next round. But um, I I think the last thing that I have to say about Dallas, you know, some people predicted that Chris Russell wasn't the guy to target and boy, oh boy, he was horrendous. (laughs)
1: Look, it's we'll just we'll move on from that, like because we'll get to cover all the teams at the end of the year, and, and and go over decisions exactly like that. Like there are some interesting decisions for teams to make in but that he, regard. But he I, played a lot of
0: minutes and he played them poorly.
1: And I would let him walk. But
0: well, do you want the glass half full or empty with the the Dallas Stars and Chris Russell?
1: Go half full.
0: They lost. So they don't owe a first-round pick. Okay, so what's the half-empty? He caused them to lose. (laughs) (laughs) And they still Uh, have to pay a second. Yeah, that's true. Uh, St. Louis, you want to... Sorry, go ahead.
1: Did he originally get drafted by St. Louis? Chris Russell? Oh, no, it was Columbus, wasn't it?
0: Boy, um, I don't know.
1: This... Oh God! do Moving on to moving on to St. Louis.
0: Um, David Backes has been great with goal scoring. I still don't think they should probably extend him. I think that we know what uh, recency bias and short samples in the playoffs due to contract values, and yeah. he's on the wrong side of thirty. And I think that. St. Louis has a, a good core there and I don't think he's part of it. And I don't think you reach outside of the core into that five, six million dollar range on aging guys, like the Ryan Kessler concept. So yeah. he's yeah. been great though. He's he's I think he scored more playoff goals this year than his previous career it's combined, great. if I read yeah. that correctly. So yeah, Troy Brower also putting up points. I still believe Oh, she's the better player, but that doesn't take away that Brower's having a, a great playoff for them.
1: The whole team seems to be, as a general rule, playing really well together. I mean, hey, look, they've, they've had to go through two seven games. It's just that they absolutely destroyed uh, Dallas in, in this particular Game 7. And it, it's a testament to this team's depth that their best player barely contributed on goal-scoring department in the series, and yeah. they still won.
0: And keep that theme in mind for later. <laughs>
1: but... I think I, know, I think I know where you're headed there. Um,
0: you know, just unheralded guys like Berglund, who have always been pretty decent. And uh, I like the Robbie Fabry guy. He always seems to be buzzing around the, the net with some speed.
1: Yeah, it's funny. They, they were, there was talk, I think, of them moving on from him, like being impatient, but he's only 20 and a half years old like he's not even that old
0: no but he's um, making he's getting ice time I think he's got power play time and stuff yeah. like that so I, I like that they didn't screw around goaltending wise they went right back to Elliot
1: I, I find it I, I find it amazing that Elliot had played so well up to that game six right where it all went to hell on him um, and I don't know whether it's disrespect of what Brian Elliott has done over the course of his career and then, obviously, this playoff run, or whether it's just the media trying to create a story where there isn't one. And it's like, oh, should they go to Allen for Game 7? It's like, Hitchcock should have been fired on the spot if he went to Jake Allen for Game 7. After the way Elliott had played, he at least deserves the right to win or lose that game with him in net. Do you know what
0: I mean? And They've always bent been, over backwards to go away from him too. I
1: know, and and look, I have to admit, I'm not the biggest uh, uh, biggest Brian Elliott fan, um, but numbers don't lie. He is proven to be successful all the way through, and then whenever he has one bad game in the playoffs, they yank him and then don't put him back in. It's like
0: or uh, trade major that... assets for Ryan Miller, who certainly did not play well in the run that they were no. on.
1: No, so you you just, you get there and it's like, it would have been crazy of Hitchcock to not go back to him. Um, Really glad he did. Um, Glad he only gave up the one goal in a game that was beyond a doubt early and, you know, in theory pretty cruisy for him in a sense.
0: They're a good team. Mm. I think they're probably the worst matchup for the East given that there are two speedy, speedy teams left. And St. Louis can skate, but I do think they, they're they bigger-bodied and skaters. If that so makes it sense.
1: Be, no, it, it does. Like, like, it like it. I know
0: I, I <coughs> Sorry, crap on the grit stuff sometimes, but that's grit absent skill than speed. But if you're playing a heavy game and you can move and you got puck skills, that's tough. That is ideal, actually, and it's very rare to get that, which is why I lean speed, skill, absent grip most times because it's easier to find. But St. Louis has a lot of bigger body guys that can do a lot of nice things, and their defense core I like a lot. They have four really good guys. Oh, they do piatrangelo yeah. bo Meester, shattenkirk and pierco is that how you
1: i think so and oh, then edmondson's their their five and then who they rotate through their six is it gonna who's there Mortuzo
0: was in the other day he was was he yeah he, he so, had not been in a lot but i think he got back in for whatever reason
1: yeah it'll be interesting to see if that really good mix of size and... Because, both, like you said, both the East Coast teams are really, really quick. Um, and they've got big parts, but overall they're not a lot Neither team is large. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether the um, ultra-turbo speed of either of those two teams can compete against a team that is quick but has size to obviously try and slow them down. So it might come down to how the Stanley Cup finals is called in regards to who wins. Because if interference is allowed, you'd almost pick... If St. Louis get that far, you'd pick that combination that you just spoke about to be uh, at a very big advantage if they don't call a lot of interference.
0: Yeah. Yeah, St. Louis has got as good a chance as anybody, in, in, in my opinion.
1: Well, they're one in four now.
0: Um anything on else on these two?
1: No no, no no no, I think I think we've covered the west
0: Tarasenko, as well as... pick it up, Well, it'd be just nice to watch if you could? <laughs> I want money, pick it up. <laughs> oh, the other thing about Tarasenko, I was laughing last night. he wasn't giving out as many hugs in the handshake line this time around.
1: Not enough Russians,
0: I guess not. He was throwing hugs out left and right uh, against Chicago. <laughs> so all right back to the east uh where we're so biased and well you're are you east what works better for you over there
1: uh either or the guys for the east start like at eight o'clock if it's an eight eight i'm a 12-hour gap right oh yeah so early morning
0: place? versus mid-afternoon ish
1: Pretty much. It's like I can watch a game at 8, I can have hockey until f- 3 in the afternoon.
0: It's So Triple brilliant. OT rides right into dinner.
1: Pretty much. Works it really well. <laughs>
0: That's That would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Tampa Islanders, and I'm going to say two things about Tampa Bay that I think can both be true at the same time. I think they've had the easiest path by far to get to the conference finals. And I also think they're really good and kick the crap out of those two teams like they should have. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, didn't they win them all in five? Were they both five game series? I think so. Yeah. So you're right. I think they had the easier of, of of the part out of them and Pittsburgh, but you've still got to do the business. You've still got to knock the teams out. You've still got to win the games you're supposed to win. And, they, they certainly did that. Yeah, there was a couple of OT games against the the Islanders, but um, you, you've still got to do it. And the further they go, the, the better this roster could get because players could come back.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, it's tough sometimes. Well, Twitter's tough because it's only 140 characters, but you can have <laughs> multiple thought processes going on at the same time. It doesn't mean one's not true because one is. You mean you can walk and talk at the same time? Pat your stomach, rub your head, or whatever, however that goes. um, Yes,
1: we can't do that.
0: My six year old, Kevin. (laughs) Uh, I just think Tampa's really good. And I think there is merit to some people saying, well, they're going to have, you know, Pittsburgh will be the first heavyweight they face. Maybe there'll be an adjustment period. And, And maybe that's true. But I think Tampa's really great. They certainly have firepower. They certainly play with the speed thing. Ben Bishop is, the, I believe, the top goalie in the playoffs right now. Save percentage.
1: I think so, which yeah. Which
0: may play a little bit into the, the competition. But he's 6'7". He's on his angles. I, I talk a lot about how I, I like Matt Murray's angles a lot, and he's 6'4", and, and it's a good frame to play the percentages. Well, Ben Bishop six seven and does the same, and he's he's got a little bit of athleticism even with that frame, and even more so the thing that's really a pain in the ass. He plays the puck so damn well that you better yeah. if you do get forced into dumping it in, it's almost like you gotta. It's a tape to tape pass breakout from a goalie, and that's very frustrating to play against.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, look, that I, I think if you look at the goaltending position, no matter who's in net for Pittsburgh. Um with that um that's where Bishop will, will be hands and heads and shoulders above the, the two penguins net minders, is his ability to play the puck. Because Murray's not particularly fantastic either.
0: He's not so, brutal
1: though. No. Um and Fleury's not brutal anymore. Well, but Yeah
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah. Look, Fleury's not gonna sit in there anyway. But you you get there with you get there with, with Ben Bishop and his ability to play the puck out like that is, is essential. Um, but going, going back to the Islanders series, Thomas Grice carried them a long way.
0: Yep. Um, you know, it wasn't a sure thing that he'd play great when given a chance, but he was, he was his even strength's A percentage through the years, through different teams, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, spoke to a guy that probably could do an okay job if given the chance. Halak goes down, who is also a good goalie, and Grice takes and goes with it. And I think he played great against the Panthers, and I thought he did he did pretty okay against um, the Lightning, but that that was kind of a mismatch. He finished um, the playoffs with a 9.27 even-strength save percentage, which is above average.
1: Can't ask for much more than that at that cost. It'll be interesting to see what the Islanders do with their roster, seeing as how many has said he's happy to stay in the Island now. So um, we'll see how that adjusts what they do with Ocposo and, um, and a few a of those other one. UFAs. But that's
0: a big thing for the Islanders because that was going to be a stressful um, trade based on where he wanted location to be. And the fact yeah. that he's a good player for them and they can't just trade him for futures... They needed a, a solid defenseman back. Who's the fit there with the limited teams he wanted in Western Canada, I believe? So to avoid that situation... First, well, I should pause myself. It's nice that he was able to rescind it because his family stuff is going better. Settled. And, yeah, definitely. Uh, that's one less hassle for, for the Islanders to deal with. That's a huge thing for them. The Okposo stuff, I... Th- I I think we're talking about a Bobby Ryan contract and I did, I, I'm certain we talked about that contract and how, you know, you're paying a lot for past. Yep. So I think they kind of got to let him go. And I think they got to start playing Ryan Strom on a more regular basis. Do if, Okay. So say they,
1: say they do the Bobby Ryan thing to talk like Do they take the gamble and go, we can take Grice at the cheaper rate and get rid of Halak, who's never healthy?
0: Um, certainly could... You could alter your chips that way. I don't... I think they'll let Okposa walk and keep the Halak-Grice combo.
1: That, to me, feels like a forward move. The one I suggested feels a bit lateral. Like you said, it's just moving your chips into different areas as opposed to trying to find a way to improve the overall roster.
0: Um... The tough one, like Kuhleman, hasn't been terrific. Grabowski's been hurt a lot. That, unfortunately, hasn't worked as well as it probably should have. But what they did do is they got Strom, who I, I think highly of, and they stole Shane Prince from the Ottawa Senators, and I think if you give him some more minutes and give him a chance, and I think they were doing that. Felt that way. And for 700000 well, he's an RFA, but he's not gonna have tons of leverage. That was a nice get. That could help maybe alleviate an Oposo departure a little bit better. Mm. Not saying it would fill it, but Shane Prince being there versus not being there is is a positive difference for that team. Very true. And they still got Michael Del Cole, who was a, a, a pick pretty high up. And Hosang's a wild card, that could go either way. In so many aspects is he a wild card. So you know, and there's always free agency. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see if they have four point um, seven million in cap space this year. With a full roster. That's not counting a Poso going. That's two point eight. Um is see, he, for
1: me, that's the thing. I'll post at 2.8 is, should be market value, right? That's no, what he should be. No, eating.
0: he's he's higher than that. The term is what's going to... He's is a it, he's it, a $5 it, million-ish player. You reckon? Well, you see, well, reckon goal reckon
1: $5 million-ish now is that $5 million would be being paid for past performance.
0: Well, the term would be the issue. He's going to want seven years or so. That would be my and problem with it.
1: I fully can understand him asking that. But I get there and I go, teams have to sort of start trying to pay players real early. Like, there is that little bit of trend going on now, but you have to sort of get there and pay players early and then let them walk. Or have them go, all right, I'll stay for another three years at a slightly less rate and I mean, a slightly less hit. But. I just don't know whether that reality is ever going to actually happen.
0: I mean, we know that the the perception of what top six scoring is now is probably higher than what it should be based on, you know, league leaders. Mm-hmm. He had in 2013, 14, 69 points in 71 games. Last year he had 51 points in 60 games, and this year he had 64 points in 79 games. That's legit top six production. So you are talking in that five million dollars. Yeah, no, range. you're
1: right. You are talking in that five to six mil, and you're right. It will be the term that will be the killer.
0: So I, I also think with the Islanders that that fourth line is not nearly as good as it's clamored to be.
1: Ah, uh, they do the noisy things well, and they chip in occasionally. So, it ticks all the boxes for the lazy, the lazy, um, the lazy analysts.
0: Their big thing will be Franz Nielsen. They need to find a way to keep him around.
1: Ledoc Poso walk.
0: Yeah, that might be what they do. They and have
1: to make they'll, Franz they'll will make
0: probably make close to that five. Yep. Because he's. He's great defensively too, and that's that. will be tough for them to replace.
1: Should they replace the coach? Even they've said they have not gonna.
0: Yeah, I would have done that a bit ago. I don't, I don't think he's done like the worst job of all time, but I think Dan Bilesma, when he was available, would have been a would have been the the move for them. That would have been a good mesh of style and personnel
1: yeah so it is one of those things for this islanders team um even if they say they thought about it in at, you know after the the cup finals because there might be coaches that become available all the best ones are gone you're sort of going to have to just stick with him for the sake of it i think
0: yeah at this point i think sticking with them you know boudreau would have been a great one obviously <laughs> yeah but what else is out there
1: well, I do at some point want to discuss the fact that Eric Carlson is going to have his worst offensive season since his rookie year
0: next year. No, he's not. Yes, he will. With oh, why did I think for a second that Ottawa hired Boudreaux? Oh, probably because yeah. they should have.
1: <laughs> there you go. Um, no, you're.
0: So that's right. gonna that's gonna be
1: a fun discussion over the. Some of these changes will be interesting with the players they've got, and then what the coaching staff traditionally did before they got to these new teams. so It'll be fun to, fun to see how it all sort of plays out next year. Um, do you think the Islanders can get back to the second round and try and win it again next year? It's just, There's a lot of flux in this particular roster for me.
0: They can. I think they were brilliant in getting into the bracket they did this year. Some people criticized that, but I thought it was a genius move. They would not have beaten Capitals or Pittsburgh in round one, and they knew it.
1: Play the system. The system's there. Play to it. You've got to give them credit, like you said.
0: You know, there's some teams in the east that are really, Tampa should be good for a bit if they keep drawing. Florida's going to be rising. Pittsburgh's going to stay good. Washington should stay good. We'll talk about that. And yeah. um, Rangers will drop so at least there's that for the Islanders at least that's hey, my perception of where that's going
1: if the Rangers got through it well, we've got to blow this up and, and got Lundquist out of there would they just free fall? yes yeah I just wonder whether that's the and you know what's funny about that is, is say they do the free fall and they end up getting the number one draft pick the number one draft pick's no good if you don't have a generational talent like an out-and-out out superstar coming through. Look what happened to the Oilers when they got, you know, some good. You know, that's what I mean. Like you've got, you've just got to be lucky. It's not just getting the first-round pick, but you've got to get that generational guy that is, it's like organizational, transforming sort of guy. So, it'll yeah, a topic to have in the off-season.
0: So, Tampa, who I, you know underrated, admittedly. They I have done really well without Strawman and Stamkos. And I said that in that order because I do believe that's the importance that it goes in for them. I agree. Totally agree. <laughs> Which seems crazy because Stamkos is really good. But, they've controlled play. They're scoring goals. The Tyler Johnson and Kucherov and Who's the third wheel on that line? Is it I think Cologne? Like it.
1: I don't Cologne know. Yeah, I think it is Cologne.
0: They've done well. They have some skilled forwards. Um, finally letting uh, Jonathan Druin actually play has been a great that's, idea.
1: <laughs> that's been so embarrassing for me, watching that happen the way it has.
0: It, it so it puts, Separate that. Whatever yeah. the process was to get to the current destination he is playing they're giving a minute he is producing so i guess not that i excuse all the other stuff but they're here they're now he's playing great and it's helping
1: and it's it's good for them i mean you just don't know with Stamkos if he's actually going to make it back on the ice and he's not replacing all of stanco's production or all of Coast's influence on the ice in regards to creating space for his teammates, but it's certainly better than next guy up.
0: That's as close to next guy up as I think you get when you pull up an ELC guy to replace a, a league superstar, <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, that's pretty pretty decent.
1: It's not a bad quiver to having you. Not a bad bow to, to having your quiver. Whoops. Anyway, you knew what I meant.
0: I think. Um trying to look up how many points he actually has nine and nine points in ten games pretty good
1: it's almost a point per game it's not bad at all it's it's one of those things where i mentioned this to you before the podcast all of these series have been one around the fringes so the teams who's quality players get further and further out into the fringes. So the depth of the teams that are deeper and able to play with the puck seem to be the teams that are winning. And Tampa have got a lot of depth through that lineup, and there's not full yet.
0: No, Strowman, it's tough. Um, I think he'll return this series. We'll see how how he looks. That's That's a tough... Hey, you missed a really long time with a leg injury. We're getting your conditioning back. Here's probably the fastest team in the East. Have fun. Yeah. I think he can do it, but that's a tough ask.
1: And as as a defenseman, trust your body to not get hit in the same spot where he had the fracture and stay together. You know, like, he's not going to try and block pucks, like, intentionally at times. It's just going to hit him.
0: I think he scored, like, every game against the Penguins this year, too. So he can stay out for seven games. I really don't care about him right now. I'm going to look that up. How many goals he had this year versus how many were against the Penguins. <laughs> I bet you more than half were against Pittsburgh.
1: Well, Hedman has been a man like he's just been a man monster in the two series he's played thus far. That's without his his usual skating partner. So Stroman for me is very much like a like a Paul Martin in that he makes the his defensive partner better and then obviously the other three guys on the ice with him as well. So if he does get on board uh just at average Stroman level, not at Stroman top notch, um you could reasonably expect Hedman's play to to improve again as well. Alright. And that's not good for Penguins.
0: He had nine goals. He played Pittsburgh three times. How many did he have? Four. He did. <laughs> so yeah, he almost had
1: one really, almost half. He, he had a really good spin around but to win a game in OT as well, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, that was um he's he's eaten Pittsburgh up this year. Yeah. Offensively which is, you know, goal scoring is not always his, like, go-to thing. Creating chances for the other forwards is certainly a thing that he does really well. Um, Nine goals is actually his career high. Four goals would be, prior to this year, his second most total, I think. (laughs) And that's just against one team in three games.
1: As far as I'm concerned, he can stay like his leg and stay displaced and not come back.
0: So... Yeah, they, um, they'll um they gain a lot there. Kucherov has nine goals just in the playoffs. He's he's amazing. Those one-timer bombs it. frustrate me because I see him get in that spot and shoot it like that, and I want Evgeny Malkin to be in that spot shooting it like that, <laughs> and it just never freaking happens anymore. So, well, he hasn't got Goncha fading the puck. I know, but they're not even looking for it. No they right agree. half wall guy which the flows through the entire power play is stagnant. They're always looking to distribute. they're never in a shooting spot looking to they're in a shooting spot but they're never willfully like looking at that as the the one option. It's always like okay, I catch it I look maybe I'll snap it and certainly him and Sid have good good snapshots but it's never a bomb. There's never deception to get them an open look. On a shot first. Anyways.
1: Gino doesn't seem to have the gun cocked at the moment.
0: I don't think he really wants to shoot. Well, broken wrists will do that. As a rule? I think that's what he had. I don't think it's been announced. But I think wrist, well, I wrist injury is a tough yeah. one.
1: I wouldn't be announcing a wrist
0: or a, or an elbow injury in a playoff series. No. But it was obvious what part of the body that uh, hurt Oh, and that, yeah. On that hit, so. Um, well, we'll certainly have more f- about Tampa moving forward. It, they're fast, fun team. I like the conference final in the East.
1: It should be. It, it should, in theory, be good hockey, I and mean, let's hope that it is. I want Pittsburgh to win, obviously, but if they don't and they lose to to Tampa in four or seven games. It should be fun hockey either way you look at it. So
0: last certainly not least the marquee um matchup of the second round was Washington and Pittsburgh. I think we both chose Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, but I think you chose it more with numbers than with your heart than what
0: I did. <laughs> but they they did they did win. And they did. I thought Washington was pretty Probably better, more of the series than Pittsburgh.
1: That's the feel I had to it as well. And it's As a Pittsburgh fan, um, it's nice to be on that side of the coin for a change, where you've had series where they've dominated play and just not won. And, and, and Washington certainly had periods where they were the better team for longer stretches than what Pittsburgh uh, had that situation.
0: Now in Game 6, I think Pittsburgh was definitely the better team. They controlled even strength every period. Yeah. And crushed it in overtime. We kind of know what happened to Pittsburgh. They <laughs> they played with a flamethrower, which we've talked about a lot. Do not put that team on the power play. <laughs> and they did it three, three, three times in a line. row. 5 on 3s no less. It, I don't care who's in that. I mean you're giving Washington a five on three in a leverage situation where they're super desperate and they're just gonna be cranking it. And they cranked it and Carlson put it in. That's oh. and those penalties, the tough thing about those, they're frustrating because it's not like a infraction on a player. But I'm in the minority, I think. I don't mind that rule.
1: Oh, I love it. I reckon it's great because you can't just throw the puck out when you're under pressure.
0: I love it. I, I it keeps breathe. the pressure of the forward team with zone time, which is what I want. Yeah. And the alternative, these players aren't dumb. The play it safe, quote unquote, guys that would normally get buried are just going to launch the damn thing. Oh, it's not icing. I just, uh I tried to hit the glass, but it it just missed. You know. Yeah. And I, I'm glad that you, they don't. We don't have to deal with that. Now, the Benito one is just, you shake your head, you're like, Jesus, how does that even happen?
1: Well, even the Ian Cole one, like, he shot that out and was just shooting for his own bench, and it just, he shot it over the glass behind the benches, like, come on.
0: Yeah, but that's still a high shot that's under pressure. He didn't make the play he wanted. That's the intent of the rule.
1: Yeah, and I get, I get. I think the
0: Benino one's a little outside the spirit of the rule because certainly he did not. He was just clearing the. There's no way you could tell me he's like, I'm gonna hit this to the side near the glass. He was just making contact.
1: He just hit the puck, and it was his reaction was very amusing after he did that because you could just see and go seriously,
0: seriously. So, you know, you see those three nothing games. Tied up 3-3 overtime, you kind of have that pit knowing pit in your stomach, and it's like, well, this isn't going to end well. And it, mm-hmm. if you're on the Penguin side of things, it, it did end well for a change. And that was, you know, certain years for Pittsburgh, those, uh, I don't want to call it a meltdown because the nature of the delay game penalty, I don't think that, it's not like, meltdown territory for me at least I don't think
1: no but the the whole the the mental construct of this team has been spoken about quite a lot right and you can make comparisons between this year's version and previous years because you would you would expect that this team would go into overtime and get steamrolled and then lose it in OT and that didn't happen no the opposite happened yeah, they owned the park in that in that overtime period, and they they did deserve that overtime win when they got it. I mean, they technically won it twice if you take away <laughs> Jay Beagle and his diving stick. That was brilliant. So, like they, they did deserve that overtime win. I if this had happened, you know, three years ago or four years ago, I wouldn't have been confident because they'd have gone from being three zip up to almost losing the game in in regulation. And they just never seem to, to have the ability to pick themselves up and push forward. They did that this time around, and and that's one of those big differences. And I don't want to use. I'm sick of hearing the term resiliency and all that sort of garbage about this this roster. They just stick to their process and they don't let anything get in their way.
0: I guess technically like, that is resilient, but I, I get. I know what you're saying.
1: Yeah, like they don't. It's not some magical
0: po- property that this team all of a sudden. No, it's. They're well coached to the point where they have the things that are spoken to them by the coach, the the, the points of why they're good, how they go about things, and that's the plan. We know it works, and there's no deviating from it, and let's go. And sometimes, yeah, sure, it's resilient in the fact that they're down, they come back, they do those things, and it's true. But they have a really good process. And overtime process wins out and they consistently do well at the process so it shouldn't be too surprising
1: no I will give Sullivan credit though he has got every one of those players wrapped around his finger at the moment on that bench what he says goes and they listen because there have been some times where he has gone nuts at that roster and it's usually around discipline when you, you look at when he's going nuts. Um, but he's really, really quick to also uh, pat him on the back or give him a quiet word of encouragement when they've done something well. So he's not just a hammer. Like he certainly knows how to pat him on the back.
0: Yeah, and the GM deserves the credit for going full steam ahead with high event speed skill hockey. And I think that's... Yep.
1: Definitely. I've had I've been a big critic of him, but he worked it out and went, right, let's do
0: it. So we'll talk a little about Washington here. Thought they were a great team, and I think they just need to stick to what they're doing. I think they did a really nice job in the offseason surrounding Ovechkin with some nice parts. Thought Oshie oh, was really good. Yeah, thought Justin Williams, even though the perception he wasn't great, I I thought he was good too. Well, because he didn't win the conspire? He's a he's a great guy to have. He just makes he gets how to play. His process has always been tremendous. You're not labeled the Corsi God for no reason. No, that's a very good point. And um, I thought Alex Ovechkin was awesome. And I think any Penguins fan that. Is anti Ovechkin is just you know doing it because For the sake of doing it. I don't put it this way. He's in the he has the puck in the Penguin zone with a little bit of time. You can't tell me that there wasn't fear every time he had it in those situations with that shot. Yep, because there should be. <laughs> he, <laughs> he's. He makes things happen. He did make things happen. And he's one guy.
1: Hey, it's, look, you've got to give Dumoulin credit in a sense that I think when Dumoulin was out there on the ice against Ovechkin, he played him one-on-one reasonably
0: well. Game six, for sure. Yeah. Um, Gap control was huge on that, but also, I think, deserves credit. Playing with Chris Letang allows you to get your gap probably better than most.
1: Well, you know Letang's got the skating ability to help you out.
0: So I I believe somebody said that that would be a good top pairing back in November-ish. Who was that? I don't know. But it is. It has been a good pairing. I think as the sample grows larger, we may be having that Paul Martin-ish guy for chris letang hey he scores about as frequently as paul martin i still don't think
1: um, man dublin
0: Duboulin, is not a zero goal guy he is this year I know. I know. but statistical <laughs> models have him likelier to have scored 10 this year than zero and to me that's just how it goes so next year 20 well i don't know about that but he'll probably get seven or eight goals a year I don't think that's not fair, especially if he starts getting top-pairing minutes.
1: Yeah, I, look, his, his emergence in regards to getting a chance to play at the start of the year, grow, and, and and make errors when it didn't matter as much through the year drives me absolutely nuts considering what this team expected out of Derek Pouliot in the last 15 games of the year. Um, and, and that's That's what irks me the most about Pouliot's so-so play in the playoffs is that this should have been happening games 1 to 30 and and then he would have got better as he went through because Dumoulin certainly had his growing pains at the start of the year, um, but they were playing low-event hockey, so it made them less obvious. So um, I, I think Pittsburgh's bottom pairing could be their issue against Tampa and not having a, a legitimate third, and vice versa. Moves. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm well aware of that with Tampa, but not having a legitimate puck-moving defenseman on that third pairing could be a massive problem trying to get out of the zone.
0: Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't know. I just the the Pouliot thing has sailed because of the lead up to the playoffs.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And that's the frustrating part. To, because he did play to, well when he played. Yeah. Then you gave him a month and a half off and then it's like, here's the Washington Capitals, dude, go get it. <laughs> <laughs> and he still made positive plays. I thought he made yeah. a few more negative ones than you want to see, but w- what's the realistic expectation of how how that player was handled versus it I don't know. He it's seems so- to fall into this weird zone of. Daly falls into the the speed skill high event. Let's go, and uh, a few other guys. But Pouliot should fit that bill too, and so should Schultz, for that matter. But for whatever reason, they just can't break away from blah, safe. Ian Cole.
1: I, I, I will say this about blah, safe. Um, Ian Cole certainly did make a good play on the game-winning goal in OT.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. When you get ice time and you're an NHL player and you're not completely void of puck skill, which I, I, I don't think Lovejoy and Cole fall into that super bad category with that, you're going to eventually do some good things. It's just a Are matter of the volume of it is... You know, it's probably going to be are more. Are you telling bad me a clock's
1: right twice a day?
0: It's not quite that bad, I don't think. Clock right twice a day is like a, a Scuderi situation, I, or it's... or a Dan Girardi situation. I don't. That, I don't. That's a little bit unfair to Cole and Lovejoy. I don't think they've been like.
1: No, you're right. They are definitely better than that. It's just for, for me, it feels like. Just because they are where they are doesn't mean the team can't be better with someone else in the lineup. And look, the ship sailed now. You can't bring Schultz or Puglia into the lineup well, you now.
0: Could. I, you could with um, Schultz. He, they, they did it, and he yeah, was seventeen shot attempts, four or five against. Did did yeah, pretty I, good.
1: I I get that argument. I just I just can't see them doing it. You know, unless they're forced, their, their hand is forced because well, of that's true.
0: I agree with you. I don't see them doing it.
1: Yeah, I just I I, I would I'm, this sounds nuts, but I would have both of those guys in before Lovejoy and Cole, and have the top four pairings do your penalty killing as well, which sucks for Latang because he already plays a bazillion minutes. He already minutes. does anyways. I know, but that's that's what I would do because literally the only reason those two in the lineup is for some unknown reason they're being earmarked as penalty kill specialists, and I don't know how many times in games five and game six. Both of the two penalty kill specialists failed to clear the puck when they had the chance to clear it.
0: Oh, I do want to mention the, the one play. Ben Lovejoy did an awesome job of reading uh, the loose puck in the in the left corner, if, the, if it's the play I'm thinking of. Like, he Ooh. aggressively got in and bred the play beautifully. It was really awesome, and I was like, all right, that's really good. Took it around the net, icing attempt, there's a little bit of an argument if Oshie got him on the hand to slow him up. But he had the puck for at least a few strides to where he could have iced it probably before he went around the net, up the middle, kind of like how some guys do it. But he took the long route and um, didn't get it out, and it you know caused a lot more pressure. Did they score on that? Uh, it doesn't matter because that... the puck stayed yeah. in and... That's the that's kind of the Lovejoy situation in a nutshell. Great read, just physically didn't execute. And that's that's the argument I have with. But that's one Him play. being
1: in the lineup, it's the problem I have with him being in the lineup ahead of Schultz and Pouliot. They'll make that same error, but they have the skill set to go and actually do something creative the other way to make up for the error. And Lovejoy just doesn't have that. And and, and that's. That's a comparable of Lovejoy against those two players. That's not me trying to denigrate Lovejoy. He does a very, very good job of playing within his skill set. Whenever he tries to sort of go outside that square at times, that's when he gets into trouble.
0: So, I mean, that's Pittsburgh's defense in a nutshell. They're forwards. It's um, really interesting right now. HBK line scored all four goals in the series-clinching win for the Capitals. Phil Kessel, fat Phil Kessel, coach-killing Phil Kessel, lazy-asshole Phil Kessel, (laughs) leads the Penguins in points in the postseason. Two goals, one assist.
1: It's amazing what happens when you've got three scoring lines. Um because you've got two of those lines that aren't really producing, but one of them has made up for it. And the ability of Sullivan to be able to spread Crosby, Melkin, and Kessel away from each other, um, whilst it's probably dropping the production of Malkin, um, stretches, just stretched Washington too far. They had to respect Geno. You have to respect Crosby. You can't cover everyone, and and Benino certainly uh, played up to the sort of player I hoped he'd be. Uh, He's obviously gotten over that hand injury that whacked him earlier in the year because he suddenly got his hands back and can make plays that we all thought he could.
0: Yeah, the Benino thing is a huge thing because of his skill set. Not very fast, but extremely cerebral, very nice hands, especially in tight to make those kind of passes that he makes. And gets it. He Being smart, he facilitates the puck to his two extremely fast wingers into space for them to get it. It's usually not they have to pull up, stop. Even like the non-controlled passes, they're left to spots where they can skate into it, whether it's the alley-oop flip play or something else. And it's just a huge difference from where the Penguins have been at the third line center position uh, from the past. Oh, we're,
1: classing them as the, we're classing them as the third line, are we? Okay.
0: Well, let's. I, I don't mean it third line per <laughs> se, but I will say he's the third center on the depth chart.
1: <laughs> I'm being a dick. You're exactly right, though. Like it's 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 much it's just much improved in, in that sense. It always looks fantastic when you have three players that click, and these three have so it makes whatever else happens around them sort of bonuses so if one of Crosby or Malkin do suddenly light it up it makes it very tough for whoever plays against them if this particular line stays solid
0: yeah and Crosby and Malkin only combined for one goal I think
1: I think you're right Yeah.
0: Malkin did not have a a point in the last four games of the series and Sid didn't have two points so and they beat the President's Trophy winning team that would not have happened a few years ago, or even last year.
1: I think that the thing for me that's this great with with Malkin is that he's carrying two guys on that line at the moment, and I mean carrying them on his back, and they still look dangerous. Now, I don't. You, you watch them as a fan, and you go, I don't really feel like they're going to score or contribute, but it forces the they force the other team to have to respect them. So, it it frees up. It frees up weaker players to play against the other two lines.
0: Sullivan's asking so so much of Evgeny Malkin, and I don't think people realize it. Well,
1: not when he's not healthy. Plus, you've got a Chris Kunitz who... Playing
0: better, even though he... Okay. He had one of the delay game penalties. That tripping penalty was terrible. He's... Driving play in the right direction, but he's not a top six winger at this point. I gave him the whole season to kind of show me the underlying numbers if he could find his hands. He has not.
1: No, and that's the sad part for him. He does sort of it. He's even lost that ability to do what he used to do for Sid, which is put the puck in places where Sid could skate into Great
0: example in game six, the four on two. He got pinched off on the wall by the guy. 2013 Kunitz is going to have the guy draw in, and he's just going to do that little tiny baby saucer to nowhere, but it gets past the defender, and the next guy just skates right into it. And that's yeah, a play he, just, he always made. It was so consistent. It's why Sid loves playing with him. It didn't he's, happen.
1: He's so frustrated with himself, too. You can see it. He knows that it's it's not there for him anymore, and he's just trying to do whatever he can to to not make a mistake. And he had a great keep on in. the one goal. He Hagelin's
0: did. goal can argue,
1: this is the thing. But those like, are isolated you
0: know, good moments. They're not consistently, he's not consistently making plays with the puck that he used to. Eric Fair, you know, certainly don't question effort or anything like that. I don't question any other effort, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. Um. That's another tough pill for Evgeny Malkin to have there because the Evgeny Malkin line is one of the better possession lines Penguins have. No, However, the scoring chances for and against they're in the negative, and I think it's because they just there's not enough skill to help Malkin get into areas. So they're they're getting in the zone, they're getting things to the net more often than the other team is, but there is a quality issue at hand with it, and. When HBK wasn't producing in the middle of the series, I, I did write a few times. I said, You gotta help Malkin out. If this line cannot give tangible offense, you have to give it to the to the superstar. You gotta give him some help. And I still think that's true. I still think Mike Sullivan can break away from the set core of the four lines at the ends of periods and get creative. You can keep HBK together as part of that, but Sid and Gino should find time together at 5-on-5, and Dan Bilesma usually did a really nice job of that. It's something that I haven't seen enough of since Bilesma left. It makes too much sense. And you could put Shiri on that, or you could put Hornquist on that. Malkin, you know, go to either wing. It doesn't really matter. It only matters defensively. Malkin's a center. He can play either side defensively for wing. Once you get in the offensive zone, does it really matter who's the center or wing? No, they so just
1: the spot. Yeah. I
0: need to see more of that. I think Geno needs a little bit more help. If you if you really want him to mimic the Smythe guy, it's not going to happen with Kunitz and Eric Fair, or even Rust, who is faster and a better option than Fair, in my opinion. Mm. But taking Rust off the Cullen Kuhnackel thing is a drastic difference so far in the playoffs. the The Cullen line needs Rust. And I, 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 I think Sullivan plays them a little bit too much.
1: I think he plays them in tough spots too much. I don't mind the volume of minutes they get. I, I think he just... Sometimes he overvalues the effort that they give and they get burnt in regards to volume of shots against. So it'll be interesting to see how he deploys them, whether he gives... because you, you Oh, I suppose maybe you could. I was going to say, you can't play your superstars... All the time. Like, you can't play them all 23 minutes a night, but you might have to get to that point where you are only playing that Cullen line five or six minutes a night and then have
0: Cullen and Kunakle make up their minutes in so, penalty kill. Let me just say this before I mention these this data. They get buried with offensive zone starts. Like, there's none to speak of for Kunhakul and and Cullen and stuff um, like that. But Kuhn is the lowest possession guy in the playoffs, 45.2 score-adjusted Fenwick. That's it's really low. There's some context to that being the offensive zone starts. But um, he's negative 8.02% for score-adjusted Fenwick. So he's really by far down and away from the other guys on the team. Eric Fair is also low on that, and he's even had time with Malkin, so you can see why I'm talking about that. Um, so, actually, Trevor, yeah. Trevor Daly's there too, if you can believe that, on, can, on a relative I can, scale. I can
1: believe that. He's, he's high event, and it can go wrong for him in regards to how many shots he gives up, but I will I will take that chance with him because he will probably do something good the other way.
0: So, I guess my point is maybe not putting Kuhn Hakel out in those hard situations all the it's gonna to have to happen because over the course of a game they're a four line scoring team that's fine but when you get into those last seven minutes maybe we could pick and choose spots a little bit better
1: it's it's funny how we're being very nitpicky with this because you go they have just won eight games they're playing well you always want to try and look to get better but I could understand why Sullivan would stick with the process he's gone with. Like I I, 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 agree with your your point of view on this. But it would be very hard pressed to find a coach that would want to walk away from what he's been doing with his player usage at the moment. Mhm.
0: Yeah. But I think there's room for improvement here. Definitely. Totally agree with that. So. Yeah, and said. As far as Sid goes, I'm not concerned at all. He's finally healthy, uh, skating well. He deferred early in Game 6. That drives me bananas when he's got the speed through the neutral zone, which for large chunks of early this season he did not have. He's getting it on a regular basis now. And he pulls up and then makes a not a dangerous pass, with risk or the the reward, and it's just a pass to the side. And then they have to go through the process of of winning the perimeter battle and maybe finding something more in the juicy area, where sometimes I just want him to be selfish and try to beat the two defenders because he's the best player, and sometimes, sometimes he can do it. Sometimes it's going to get taken away, most times. But just attack it so that at least they're thinking about it. And there was that one shift where he just bulldogged his way out of the corner like an animal, taking mm-hmm. guys on left and right, and that's that's when he's at his best. And he just sauced that backhand pass across, and Holtby just was unreal with his... Um, was that the Rost attempt? I
1: think it was. Yeah, that was a great glove save. That was
0: The awesome. pass was outrageous, and it came off good work down low, sit down low, so...
1: You know, What's been so? Are we even going to bother discussing the not the non dilemma in net?
0: <clears throat> I'll reference it, sure. Matt Murray is the Pittsburgh Penguins goaltender. There's nothing fluky about his him playing well. Now, the save percentage is absurdly high. That's not going to stay quite where it is. And let me see if nine. 53 even strength save percentage in the playoffs. (laughs) So, know that that's not the standard. But anything above 921 is above average, so there's plenty of wiggle room there. He's played great. He's a big guy. He's on his angles. He's making saves, and he's playing at a higher level than Fleury's best playoff run right now. And Flurries went four rounds and went up against the best team of the cap era, the 07-08 Red Wings, where he was phenomenal. So that Mm -hmm. deserves mention. But he is above that level right now, and it seems incredibly foolish to put in another guy who hasn't played in a month and a half off two concussions when the guy playing right now is at a level that he's never hit, even in his wonderful year.
1: I I think all you had to do is just say, hadn't played in a month and has had two concussions. He's fine for mop-up duty, but you're not putting him in there as your starter. Like, There's just no need to do it. You just ride Murray the rest of the way. Even if Murray gets pulled in a couple of games, you still just keep playing him. You can't...
0: He's the guy.
1: I just don't think you can go to Flula.
0: And what I mean about not fluky is he has a professional sample size. Yes, AHL, but record-breaking AHL. High, super high-end AHL. Called up to NHL, playing at super high levels in the NHL. Is there really any evidence to suggest that the guy's not a good goalie and he's just riding a fluky hot streak? Will the hot yes, streak always is. be as hot? No. But are, are we really worried about a meltdown? Is anybody no, just short or long term? I mean, that seems so silly to Justin me. We're worried about
1: Justin Williams' goal over his left shoulder. That's what we're worried about.
0: It's well, I got Nick some news stuff. for you.
1: <laughs> it's nitpicky stuff. It, it's you, you get there with it and it's like... This is better than competent goaltending. Pittsburgh aren't going to lose their next series because of what's happening in net. Well, that could always have... happen,
0: but I agree with your your sentiment.
1: Yeah, they're going to lose the series because they can't put the puck in the other net. That's going to be the difference.
0: Um, Should I take it a step further? Go on. I think it would be ideal if Fleury had played his last Penguin game.
1: Yeah, but that's a conversation we'll finish at the end of the season and we'll move up. There'll be lots of discussion Correct, about
0: that. Correct, but the basic logic and why I'm saying that is that it would imp- imply that Murray continues to play well and it would imply that the team um, was willing to, to make him the starter moving forward and it would also imply yep. that um, the Penguins would be getting value in cap space in a trade before they are um, before they lose the leverage on that. I think if they're yeah. going to move on from Flurry, they should do it at a point where not only can they find a situation that's good for Flurry, and I have no reservations that if they do choose to move him, that they'll keep his best interest in mind while also doing well for themselves. And I think they could find a spot like that. That will be a discussion yeah. for another day, but. I just don't think it's. I think the times now. I think Murray's the guy. I'd mentioned Enroth earlier. He's a free agent. There's your backup, Thomas Grace style. Boom, done. Cap space. I just don't understand the. Flurry's the more experienced goalie comes into a positive for him. I don't think all of his experience is really that great in the playoffs.
1: I. Are you talking about just for the now? Or moving forward, because I I think the problem a lot of people have got is the disconnect from Fleury the asset and Fleury the person, and I think that. Well,
0: I've stripped the person stuff away because it is a business, but yes, of course, uh, and we'll talk positively about that part of it too when the time comes, and and how fun it's been to to follow him the person because he's he's great.
1: Yeah. But and I think I think that particular part about him right now is really handy because he could be a dick if he wanted to and really try to force his way back in the lineup and you know give shitty interviews and all that sort of stuff. But he's done none of that. Like he's been
0: that's not in his team... DNA.
1: Correct. He's been the type of team player that he was when he was the starter as he is as the backup and as a team and as a coaching staff. That's all you can pray for from a, a superstar or a star of a player.
0: It was never going to go down any other way with him.
1: No, I, I fully agree. But you have seen situations where it has gone sour sure. because of it. So it. It's Pittsburgh are very, very lucky in, in, in that sense that he's not rocking the boat.
0: I'll say this about one of Fleury's best strengths was um, just the durability. Played a lot of games for a lot of years, and the only thing that really took him out was fluky concussions. Yeah. There's something to be said about being able to to show up all the time like that, and that was a real big benefit. I mean, if you're going to pay the, the big money for the goalie, it's nice to have the goalie play a lot, and he has. But, you know, is this a Tom Brady-Drew Bledsoe situation from way back when where... Drew Bledsoe is pretty good for a bit. Not particularly great all the time. Got a but really fluke wonder injury. Wonder, yeah. wonder Boy comes in and the rest is written. I could see something similar playing out here. Yeah. So. Well, it
1: is it is funny how Pittsburgh are the team, like the offensive juggernaut, yet they've got a golly dilemma because they've got a good goalie, and then a good goalie coming. You know what I mean? Like a, they're in a, they've got a position of strength there in net, which is bizarre.
0: Yeah. And I think they can still have that be a strength, uh, depending on the backup route they go, if they do indeed move on. But, okay, that's a lot of off-season stuff. Fleury's not being traded during the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Great backup option to have, but I think it's a backup option at this point. And I don't yep. think you can reasonably argue against that. No, totally agree. So, do you have a selection for this series? Pittsburgh and Tampa. Pittsburgh and six. You're still doing the number of games thing, huh?
1: I, t- I took a habit. Everybody else does it. I did it without even thinking. Which doesn't say a lot for my selection.
0: I... Pittsburgh to win it all in my little NHL bracket silly thing (laughs) after saying on this podcast LA would win it all so LA is not in the playoffs believe it or not so my podcast prediction was wrong but I still have my stupid bracket so (laughs) Um, I think Pittsburgh is relatively healthy I think they have one of the few teams that can match Tampa's forward depth and maybe eclipse it. And I have concerns still about Strawman's ability to jump in against the fastest team in the East, although him being in will be better than him being out. And well, the other been, the other Tampa think, defenders yeah, are just kind of, eh. Whereas I think Letang and Dumoulin are, are pretty solid. I think Hedman's awesome, Letang's awesome. Who's the second guy, if Strawman's not in, that's up there with, like, a Dumoulin? Because Mata's a wild card. He's not played great. He's been hurt. He's definitely not healthy. Uh, Daily, we've discussed it, Lang. You know what you're getting there. Going to be a lot of fun things happening when he's on the ice, good and bad. And then the Lovejoy-Cole thing, I don't think they're any different than the Lightning-Bottom pair.
1: This this series will be one around the fringes. It will be how many errors are forced out of the bottom pairings and the bottom lines.
0: Well, here's what I'm looking at. HBK is kind of a game-changing depth thing. If they continue to play well, the Lightning don't have an HBK where they have a Crosby and a Melkin on separate lines or the ability to pair them up and and... I think Crosby and Malkin are game breakers, and I think we'll see more of it in the series than we did against Washington. I think you're on. Right. They're not going to combine for three freaking points or whatever it is again. But that's the beauty of this year's Penguins team. Before, the depth couldn't buy time for the studs to get hot. They bought them time, and now I do think it's time for the stars to get hot. And I think they will because that's what stars do eventually. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, can't pick a western conference yet cuz we got a game tonight. So
1: No, that'll be good fun to watch.
0: Anything else?
1: No, I think I'm tapped
0: out. All right. I think that does do it. We went long. Hope it was good. More good than bad. Yeah. If you, <laughs> we
1: have gone long. This is what happens when you don't do one in like 12 days.
0: I know. The schedule is just whatever. Um, <laughs> if you thought it was great, you can go to patreon.com slash hockey and donate. Or if you just thought it was okay, keep downloading for free. Your call. So, <laughs> put. until next time, I'm Ryan Wilson. I'm Cameron Walsh. Enjoy.